You're listening to Off the X with your host Tyler Wells, Forrest Carbajal, and Barrett Moon. Brought to you by Trinity Gunworks and Muddy Foot Outdoors. What's up, guys? Welcome to Off the X Podcast. I'm Barrett Moon, and as always, I'm joined by our producer, Caleb Smith, the sniper, Tyler Wells, and the man who will never know if a pool has a shallow end, Forrest Carvajal. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's special guest, the Fried Piper, Seth Hoggard. What's up, Seth? The Fried Pie guy. No, it's uh, definitely starting to become a a nickname of mine. Oh, dude. Yeah. I I get criticized, but I don't bring pies and get made fun of when I do. So (laughs) you'll never be made fun of guys for bringing pies. Your reputation has far exceeded itself. (laughs) I don't know if that's good or bad. (laughs) Tonight, we're going to do the. uh, Hey, Tyler, bump me down just a little bit. I'm screaming in my ears. Um, we're going to do call review. Forrest Carvajal is going to start us off uh, and talking about the uh, that uh, beautiful R&T timber, timbre, timbre that, that uh, he's blown. And if R&T will see this, y'all reach out and tell us how to pronounce that. <laughs> well, if you want my wife to tell you how to pronounce it, apparently it's like a musical term for like timbre is actually how it's supposed to be pronounced. Oh, really? I don't know okay. if that's, I don't know if they went or it's supposed to be like that or not, but yeah. Uh, Tyler, why don't you talk about, like, it's your call. So you give your deal first, and then I'll talk about what I get out of it. Okay, so when I bought that call, I re- the only reason I bought it to start with is I had a stickered timber timbre up here in the case, and I wanted I wanted one to go with it. So uh, my mother-in-law actually bought it for me for Christmas. Oh, and okay. I wasn't going to put it on a lanyard. I was just going to put it up and leave it alone. And took it out and blew it, and I was like, and for what I hunt, it, it worked really well. You know, you didn't have to get really loud on them or scream at them, but you need to be able to get soft and finish them off in, in there. So right. that's the whole reason I started carrying it, and since then I just fell in love with it. It's just a go-to call. It's the first one I pick up, started, start working birds with, and nine days out of ten, it's probably the the main call I use. So It's it's soft. It definitely uh, it, uh, It's an attractive sound in the woods. Yeah, that thing's sweet. I think uh, for me, my favorite type of calling is real soft calling, and that's like the perfect go-to soft call. From especially just from doing your demonstration just a second ago, that thing sounded good. Oh, it's it's quiet. It's it's got a very I would say just natural duck tone and volume. Uh, it does not take a lot of air pressure to blow. Um, I actually I was trying to back off as far as I could. To, really? Yeah. Well, I've been practicing with my competition calls, so going from that to this one was really rough. Uh, what I love about that call is just how natural ducky it is. Right. Uh, I think that we did the the cut down last episode, and it can get loud. It's the it's the one that like you try to make the ducks react. You, you're you're trying right, to force them right. to do something. Whereas this one. Uh, when you're when you're using this softer call, it's more of you're just coaxing them. It just sounds like regular ducks on the water. It's it's very natural. That's what I prefer when I'm actually duck hunting. Uh, that's why I'm not much of a cut down guy. Uh, the other hold on, thing, hold on, you can get nice with a cut down. I can get I can do well. Yeah, you can get softer with a cut down, but it's I just I'm not as much of a cut down fan. I'll blow them, and I have one that I take. I just he can't. He he's saying he can't maneuver. A call like he can with his competition calls and a cut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how you sound with cut down. Some people can. I mean, they're guys that are really good on a cut down. They can do everything with it. I, it's not right. me. Right. Uh, the other thing I really liked about the the timbre or timber, however we're going to say it, uh, I like the squeaky feed with mm-hmm. it. Uh, if you ever listen to ducks like at the park, they have that that squeak at the end of like while they're feeding, and right. I, I I like that. I think that's uh, the Cajun squeal. Uh it's not gonna, like I'm not going to hiccup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pitch of that. I would. I, my personal opinion is when they're feeding whatever their food is, it's wet, so it kind of right. has that little bit of whistle or whatever. Right, makes sense. And that's what I think that sound is. But I think that's a, just a natural, uh, confident sound for the right, ducks. Right. Forrest uh, knows that squeak because he pulls the bands off their legs when at the <laughs> park. <laughs> the geese. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beaver Fort. Y'all better look out. <laughs> so you're that guy out there running around the net. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy! You run around the what's it called the frisbee disc golf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ninety bands on his his necklace. And if, from, if you see right. my topwater bait stuck in the trees, I'm not. I'm actually going right, for geese. Right. Uh, 
But well, anyhow. Well, hey, I'm curious to hear what Seth sounds like. About, or what I'm curious to hear what your opinion is on this call because Seth, for as long as I've known him, he's been one of those guys that has the same call for like the past, what, 10 years, it seems like. Like you're not big into going into a bunch of just different brands of calls or anything, huh? Yeah, I've never, I've never been into collecting calls or testing out a bunch of different calls. When I got into duck hunting at a young age, my dad handed me a call and said, make this work. Right. Learn this call, make it work. What and call was it? It was a um, green acrylic R&T, um, like original. I, I couldn't tell you exactly That's a what great it was. place to start. He gave me that call. I messed with it a little bit, played with the reeds, and made it work. Killed ducks with it. So, hey, if it's killing ducks, it's working in my opinion. But started with that, got it um, – Got a few other calls, and I, I, I can't even tell you what they were, to be honest with you. I know. The uh, one you've been with for a while is a R&T Diablo, isn't it? I have a Diablo, and then I've got another. Um, That's an, the one I've seen you use. Another one with an echo I insert. Remember. I forget what it is. I've, right. had, I've had buddies. They admire my call and say, you're good here. Try this. You sound good on this, but I couldn't tell you what it is. I've been given a couple calls, and, and honestly, I'm usually when I'm hunting with a bunch of guys, I'm doing a lot of the calling, whether it's just individual or we're all working in i tend to call a lot not sure if i sound good or not but i've been fortunate enough to kill a bunch of ducks you, so well and I, i've hunted with you enough times for me to say you call a lot but you don't over call yeah because there's yeah. some guys i've hunted with i'm like bro just shut up <laughs> all right yeah we've we've got <laughs> a few yeah, buddies Forrest, like jeez man right. put the call down <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say uh that call that you picked up, you know, you were talking about the difference between last week and the call review uh, of the cutdown. Cutdown, I feel like, is definitely a group call. Sounds better when multiple people are chiming in. Mm-hmm. That call right mm-hmm. there, like if you group of guys together, nobody really knows how to call, but that was in the mix of one one lanyard, you could do a lot of work with it. The subtleness of it and the whines, and you can get a lot of different different tones with it. I think that would be a, a good call to to have on the lantern for, you know, people that are just doing a calling by themselves. I 100% agree with that. And it's, I'm not going to say it's just a beginner call because you can do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. But I would say if you were looking for your first acrylic call, that would be a really good one to look for. Now, you can't find it in production right now. <laughs> that's, right. that's one of the special things about it. You'd have to look online and try to find a used one because they're not, they're not making them anymore. But it's, it's a really good, uh, user-friendly call you could tell it was it had a lot of subtlety to it but also i could tell it, it was just sound like a call that would be super easy to blow so is that a so that's i would you would probably consider that a collector's call now huh i feel like i've seen that call float around for quite a long time yeah i mean it's been around for a while right and like four said i got after he said well you can't find them anymore i was like I ah, surely you can. So I got on their website with a look and you can't get them anymore. So right. you have to go to eBay and try to buy them or get on these call pages and try to find them from there. But yeah, I guess it, it's considered a collector's call, but right. I mean, it's going to stay on the lanyard. Yeah. The, the 40ths are easier to find because they're the latest ones that came out. They might do more of those like when, you know, they get to the 50th anniversary, whenever that's going to be. Uh, but the original Timberies, those you're going to spend Three hundred and fifty dollars or more to get one of those, right? And that's a double read, right? No, it's single. It's it's a single. single. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Don't nobody here blow a double read. Oh God! <laughs> Caleb blows a double read. He blows the only guy here that blows oh. a double read. I blow a double read. That's what I said. You oh. blow a double read. You no, blow I that. Blow. Oh, I guess I do. You blow that. I can't believe uh, you're laughing at me about double read. You're the one that should be blowing a double read. Oh, oh bro. Oh. That's a low blow. Oh. <laughs> that's that's what we're doing next. We're doing a calling contest, and the viewers can vote who's better. Oh, boy. I'm a little salty Caleb now. and Barrett. Caleb and Barrett. I'm a boy. <laughs> I'm going to start, start working on my ticket ticket. Oh, bro. Oh. <laughs> so, Ben's, we're not doing a an actual bourbon review tonight. Let's go around the table. What's everybody sipping on tonight? What you got in your cup? I have a Dr. Pepper can with Dr. Pepper in it. Yeah, weak. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, so Forrest got Dr. Pepper. Seth, what do you got? I got Dr. Pepper with whatever that was at Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah, he went with the Texas Ranger. <clears throat> A little, little, little sweeter than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, very it's sweet. Very, very sweet. sweet. I'm a, I've got root beer mixed with a Texas Ranger, which I, it is a deadly combination. And I highly, highly <laughs> encourage it. <laughs> That's your catchphrase now, by the way. Yeah, it's, a, it's a deadly combination. What do you got? So you got Red Bull I, in yours, don't well, you? Well, I wanted the Texas Ranger because of that vanilla. Yeah. But uh, there 
wasn't enough left because everybody oh. out sitting. What'd you go be. with? I went with uh, the Noble Oak. It looks like something that'd be advertised. Well, talking to the mic, we can't. And read. I mixed it with Red Bull. <laughs> Noble Oak. Yep. Okay. Noble Oak with Red Bull is what Caleb's drinking. And I'm I'm drinking Texas Ranger and root beer. So but that tells before you before right. I That's got here. Before I got here, I had a tequila old fashioned. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Which, like we, we don't suggest tequila old fashions. <laughs> no, it, it was not the best drink I've ever had. But yeah. I don't believe in wasting. So. <laughs> so yeah. So tonight we've got Seth with us. We're gonna gonna dig into his story and then kind of just kind of hear from him because he's been hunting Arkansas for a while. The man's a killer on public ground in Arkansas. Um, you kind of got to watch out for him. Um, so first off, Seth, how do you know Caleb? And then we'll kind of dig into your to your early childhood and and dig through your problems from there. Me uh, <laughs> <laughs> problems from there. Uh, speaking of problems, Caleb uh, <laughs> being a major major a, pain, a great but, segue, major pain but blessing to me. Uh, me and Caleb got introduced. Uh, gosh, junior high, high school, high school, sometime in yeah, sometime in high school. Yeah, so like, you like, guys have known each other for like five years. Too long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Five years too long. Now, uh, kind of how most hunting buddies get introduced through you know mutual friends. Right. We got we got hooked up together and. Both of us had a lot of free time and always looking for somebody to go with, especially when it comes to duck hunting. Waterfowl kind of brought us together for the most part and started, you know, introducing him to a little bit of turkey hunting. He he deer hunts, so we, we deer hunted together some. And mm-hmm. Waterfowl's yeah. the, the biggest camaraderie, you know. Yeah, we started, I think we started out chasing all them ducks on minnow ponds. Minnow ponds. <clears throat> we used to tear the minnow ponds up. Oh, yeah. And Man, around- five minutes down down the road from the house full of, mall- yeah. full yeah. of mallards back in the Not, day i don't want to get deep into this but you guys were talking about coots we used to shoot the hell out of coots i'm in really yes. coots wars nightmare <laughs> <laughs> oh and oh, ruddies we, we, i yeah, love ruddies, shooting right. <laughs> but we, we were those we were those guys that we were chasing my menopons got our driver's license somewhere another guy john boats around the same time we got our driver's license and we were those guys racing trying to race i guess man you want to talk about shooting some ducks too it's a prized possession now, but back in the day, we it was like coots to us. Really? Ponds. Canvas back out the yeah, we See, and I, we've... Bull canvies. Yeah, I Forrest mean. talks about all the time that, I mean, back in the day, there were canvas backs all over the place. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. back, yeah, back where I hunted anymore. in Texarkana, we, we would just plan a day whenever we wanted to shoot a canvas back, and we'd just go shoot one. Yeah, it's, not even realizing yeah. that there was uh, individual species limits. Yeah. Let's, just, <laughs> let's just say there was a lot of canvas back legally killed and... Some uh, more killed. Statute, statute of limitations, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, I don't think we even counted. We just shot a bunch. Oh, really? Oh, we, yeah. we shot a bunch. Oh, yeah. But, it, I mean, was, depredation permit, farmer pull up, shoot every duck. I don't even have my license. Shoot every duck, son. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. Right. <laughs> um, shot every duck. But, yeah, no, that's... So, so Minipons early on, how'd you get into hunting? Uh, born into it. My, dad, really? my dad's born and raised hunting. Uh, I mean... Parents divorced at a at an early age, unfortunately, but made the best of it. Dad, mm-hmm. you know, having me on the weekends, kind of punishment on my mom's side, trying to <laughs> do that to him. But he made it a blessing, and and me and my sister both grew up hunting. Okay, um, my sister's eight years older than me, so going down to deer camp, I think I was two years old, wrapped up in a, really? in a bundle in the bottom of a deer stand. And so, did you start deer hunting? Was that deer, was that kind of the first squirrel deer? deer? Okay. Got into turkey hunting, killed my turkey first turkey when I was seven, first deer when I was five. I think my first squirrel when I was like four or five. Way, way too early, but dad thought it was all right, and I guess I, it was. I mean, that, that's how, I think that's how they how you keep keep somebody in it. Back when this country was great, <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> country's still great. No, grew up. Uh, it was a way of life. I mean, that's what we did every single weekend. Dad dad worked Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday. I was mm-hmm. begging mom to, yeah. hey, let me go with dad. We're, we're shooting something right. this weekend. Did he introduce you to duck hunting too? He did. He did. Uh, he was a big waterfowler. He's traveled to Canada. He's been up to the Dakotas. He followed him all the way down when he was younger. And, and seeing you know him coming back with stories and this and that, I wanted to get into duck hunting as soon as I could. And I think he bought my first pair of waders when I was like seven or eight, sitting in the blind with a single shot and by the time i was 10 or 11 i was going to the pond shooting wood ducks that would what that would come in in the afternoon of school and so i i going with my older brother too some i mean i was uh i was younger and looking for people to take me 
I think I was 11 or 12 and I was going to some high school boys that got introduced somewhere or another. And so I was always going. Nice. They yeah. definitely haven't slowed down since. I mean, I haven't seen you slowing down at Man, all. Man, no, dude, he's, he's hard. He's hard at it. Yeah, most of the success is, is – I, I'm just out there a lot. Right, right. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's what it takes. Yeah. That's what yeah. it takes. What's your favorite? Uh, turkey, for sure. Uh, I love turkey hunting. Turkey hunting, then deer hunting, then waterfowl. Waterfowl's the become duck more, comes in third? Man, it does. Oh, it's bro, become more here. work over the years than anything. <laughs> you do know it's a duck hunt podcast. I yeah. understand. <laughs> hey, and, and trust me, I, I, I duck hunt 50, 55 days a year. Like, God, this really? past season was probably the most. I've slowed down in the last 10 years. How many uh, days you hunt this past season? This past season, I think 142. Okay. I was at 30 even. And I, I, I was I, I hunted 42 too many, let me put it that way. <laughs> right. I, was, I was done after the first. And the, the last three or four years, deer hunting has really started to take over for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've been blessed with opportunity and found some good spots and found a niche, found some success and, yeah. and some different tactics. And I've killed some big deer and I've chased some monsters. And I've, I've made it a point the last two to three years not to hunt the first split. Because it's costed me the opportunity on some absolute giants. Oh, now you yeah. killed a pretty cool deer this year. I didn't killed you? a very, Dude, very unique awesome. deer. It was a, a for sure unicorn. Yeah, I tell. I want to hear a little bit about it because I've seen pictures <clears throat> of it, but I haven't heard any stories about it. Yeah, it was uh, took on urban hunting this year, and it was not an urban kill, but it led me to this property. Uh, sent out a whole bunch of letters. Got an onyx back in. Gosh, I want to say June, July, sent out probably 50 letters to about three or four different cities that have the uh, urban hunt going on. Got a yes from one gentleman who lives in Tennessee, has property up around Heber Springs, hunted his property, didn't even realize it at the time, but the original letter I sent, um, he gave me permission for that, but he gave me permission for like another 150 acres down the road. And so about mid-October, he calls me, hey, man, yeah, you mind uh, checking the fences and checking the stand? I'm like, man, I know that stand you told me about. I still haven't seen it yet. There's only two acres here that I'm hunting inside city limits. He's like, oh, you hadn't been out to the other property? I'm like, what other property? <laughs> He's like, 150 acres just outside of town. I'm like, what? And and starts sending me pictures of deer. I get out there, and literally the afternoon I walk in is the last day of muzzleloader season. So I have a muzzleloader with me. I walk into this field and there's 36 deer in this field. I'm like, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh, I've been missing out all preseason, everything missing out. I walk around the field, there's scrapes everywhere, pretty good size of rubs. I dropped one camera and decided to back off. I came back a week later, had a pretty good, you know, mid 130s, nine point on there. I was like, okay, this is enough to pique my interest. So I've put a couple more cameras out. Dropped a cell camera and then got a picture of that deer. And my first picture, I was like, eh, that looks funky. Looks like a crazy kicker. Then I got a clear picture. I was like, I'm seeing things. There's no way. And then so I switched it to video mode. And then I want to say like the second, by the end of the second week of the property, I get a video of him making a scrape five foot in front of my camera. And it's clear eight inch dagger coming out right between the middle of his eyes. Not to mention, (laughs) you know, he's a mid 140s, 10 point. So that was kind of, kind of crazy to see. And I just focused everything. I had a couple other bigger deer that I was after, but this deer was one of a kind. I couldn't pass up the opportunity of somebody did, else getting him. Did you get him really quick? Yeah. Uh, I want to say. It was within two weeks of you. Or well, it was within two weeks. I remember you talking to me heavy about him. I think I, once I was convinced, like, this is my target deer, I think it took me about two weeks. And I, I had four sits. First sit uh, was an observation sit. I actually made uh, – Made contact with him, saw where he was coming in and out of his bedding, moved my stand closer, moved my cameras over. The second sit, I had an opportunity. He came in right, ran out of camera light, was trying to get this deer on killed on camera because it's such a unique deer. Ran out of camera light, ended up saying screw it, saw opportunity, drew back, couldn't see through my sights, let down, checked my phone. I had like three or four minutes left of camera or legal light left, let him walk. <clears throat> I think the third time, I ended up similar situation. I had a little bit of camera light left. I drew back. Couldn't really see my sights. Made a terrible mistake. Went ahead and I could see a pin. I'm pretty sure it was my top pin. But <laughs> oh, it ended no. up being my second pin. I went right over the top of his back. He was like 15 steps checking a scrape. And these deer on that property hit scrapes heavy. But fortunately by my, I think, fourth or fifth sit. I want to say it was my fourth sit. Um, opening weekend of gun season, uh, second morning, I was out there and ended up rattling um, – Got some other deer coming in. Deer started chasing. Saw him about 300 yards away. 
he taunted me for like literally two hours running a doe in circles disappeared and he and, got that on camera yeah about nine thirty, i look <laughs> up and here he comes he walks from 200 yards away straight to the base of my tree mm. do, you, do you still get the shakes deer hunting because you deer hunt a lot it sounds like do you still get the shakes Yes and no. <laughs> well, I'll tell you uh, this. I don't deer hunt at all. And when I saw the picture of that deer, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like that, that one, I was so focused because the previous – I got the shakes the previous two encounters. I was so focused on – You were just pissed on the third happen. one. I was mad. I was like, I've got, to, I've got to connect on this. And actually, like, the last three good deer I've killed, it just happened so quick. Mm-hmm. I was – I think some of the – trying to self-film has taken my mind off mm-hmm. the anticipation watching them walk in because i'm so focused okay pan over pan over zoom in zoom out pan over check everything this that that oh, oh here comes my shot here comes my shot and then it's there there's no oh crap he's really coming okay 50 <laughs> 40 right 30. you know that it takes away in the past that's been right a, well the cool thing too about that and i bet you can agree is like once you once you get to a point to where you kind of don't have buck fever as much it's still just as fun if not funner because you can really take your time with trying to you know make a good shot and really i don't know you live in the moment man i remember and i don't shoot nearly as big a bucks as seth does if everyone could probably see that on instagram <laughs> but uh man whenever i used to have whenever i used to have buck fever and stuff i just it happens so quick what are you laughing at me for? <laughs> i, I used to get trailing off from the microphone uh, you run away. <laughs> I, I used to get it bad anymore i've got to be careful not to fall out of the tree afterwards because oh, no, so, it, it hits me afterwards and it's like oh my gosh right just did it just happen? Like freaking out. What do I do next? Who do I call? Do I sit here? Do I go tracking? Right. Do I wait? That's the biggest thing. I freak out afterwards. That's it's, what happens to Caleb when he shoots a duck. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I hit it. Guys, <laughs> I hit it. Right. Hey, hey, you want to talk about growing up with this guy? He is a lot better shot today. You are, you are such a liar. <laughs> Oh boy! You had <laughs> either he was using an extra full choke or no choke at all when oh, we first started. Man. I'll show y'all this season. I'll try this. Season. I'll show y'all this season. <laughs> Seth knows I don't want to bring out my trap shooting awards because Tyler's already talked about his, but I won't talk about it. Trap shooting awards. Have you even cleaned your gun yet? Forget the cleanness of the gun, dude. <laughs> okay. If I want to hit him, I'll hit him. Caleb's getting thrown under the bus tonight, boy. <laughs> Every, oh, go ahead. Everybody's paying for these guns to look all used and everything, all these fancy things. Just, just gonna let it rust. Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, them 870s make great boat paddles. Let me tell you. Oh, I've, hey, I've, so I've went anymore. through a couple 870s. And if that means something, if you've went through an 870. I got through an 870. I've been through quite a, quite a bit of them. No, <laughs> we believe it. <laughs> about to go buy stock in the company if you're going to keep buying it. All right. <laughs> yeah. right. So Seth, Seth, it sounds like, is is not only the hunter, but he's also his own cameraman, too, from what I gather. Not very good. Not very good. I try to get Caleb out there to film me some. Maybe we can actually get some footage. Well, we always something. try to. It never works out. Caleb, can we uh, can we post a picture of that deer that he shot? Yeah. Yeah. Please so, do. It's, yeah. That, deser- that deer deserves to be Yeah. Oh, no, that deer very, is incredible. It's unique. incredible. I don't yeah, even it was like a, deer, but they're... I just got the mount back, as a matter of fact. Really? Post a, post a picture of that. Yeah. The guy that did it, he did a phenomenal job. Yeah, you got a nice pedestal mount with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who who did the mount? Oh, gosh, don't ask me his name. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A friend of a friend of a friend. Uh, he mounted one more deer for me, and, and I was looking for uh, taxidermists that could get it done quick. So at the time, Big Buck Classic was still coming on. I had a couple of uh, boosts that wanted me to have it there and tell the story and this and that, and... um and show some footage and stuff and so i was in kind of a hurry to get it done and he was like the third person that i contacted he was like, yeah man i can get it done quick and he had good work I've, I've got one of his deer and then of course my buddy's got probably two dozen deer that he's done and uh, he's more of a artist kind of guy he's not a big production guy he touches everything just himself he don't have four or five people working on it and he only does a handful a year but he goes to competitions and stuff and does a really good job so did he do that one he did that he one did. okay and it was phenomenal yeah um yeah are, I'd you like, gonna, are you gonna take that one to big Buck classic next year if yeah if they have if it they for have sure it. for sure yeah i'd like to you know that arkansas killed deer very unique i'd like people to see it for sure i probably won't enter in the competition just because the mount itself they get handled and stuff i've heard horror stories of Ooh. deer yeah. getting messed up they have like you know two or three people of course they need to you know two or three people score them and stuff and he's not a mega giant he's not going to win anything but um but he's, he's, he's a unique yeah, people right. people yeah. definitely probably interested in seeing 
Yeah. Like most of the people are like, did you really kill that? Is that fake? Is, you know, right. I you mean, walk up to it, you can see it's legitimate. And I, you know, right. I've got a picture framed of the uh, skull after he cleaned it all off. And you can right. see the, the pedicle. Oh, it's legitimate. I was oh, there. Man, it was a while. Like I was freaking out when I saw it. Yeah, it's there. I, I assume the deer would shed it. I mean, he's, he's got a pedicle on, you know, right there where the spike or whatever you want to call it would be. So it looks like, you know, it, it would shed, would have shed uh, this summer. Right. So. It's incredible. It's a beautiful picture. It's a Man. beautiful deer. So, so that's a that was a cool deer. But we just got done. With, you just got done with turkey hunting. Are, are you done with turkey hunting? You got some. Fortunately, I think the wife is going to make me quit. Yeah, <laughs> quitting quitting a little earlier than I'd like. I, I had a big season planned, and then with work and and building a house and lumber prices and this and that, and life took over for for once. So. You Definitely. still had a big season, though. I had a great season. I had a great season. It was more towards the end. I had a had a rough season to begin with. Focused more on getting some other people some birds and try to get more stuff on film. Right. That film cost you, let me tell yeah, you Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I know I know this episode we want to try to gear a little bit more towards turkey hunters because we there. You know, there's a couple states that have quite a few. Or I say quite a few. have two or three weeks left, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's quite a bit of seasons that last all the way to the 31st, and then you've got uh, – Northern state, I think, gosh, Maine. It goes all the way to June sixth or seventh right, this year. Right. Maine, yeah, I think I believe so. You are going to Maine to kill turkeys? I have not yet, but I will be in Maine next year. Good grief. in June, I will make sure it's it's. In, I'm pretty sure it's Maine. Huh. Well, I always brag to all my buddies that don't know you about your turkey skills. I mean, hell, we've been on emails where I've told other brands, yes, that's a turkey pro, turkey a turkey master. It's so let's luck. let's get into your stats. <laughs> How many turkeys have you killed? Gosh, I got to look. In the last couple of years, I haven't added them up. I'm probably in the 150s, 160s if I had to, I had to put them. That's a lot number. of birds. That's a lot of birds. What'd you, How many did you get this year? I killed eight this season. Nice. Golly, that's a lot of birds. It's been very blessed been very blessed a lot of a <laughs> lot of opportunity and most of it everybody I, i'm a turkey hunter i'm not a sitting caller i go to kill so a lot of it you know so where it, all did you go then uh this year i started in mississippi had a rainy open day i didn't even get out in the woods to about 10 o'clock i think did we here in mississippi two days or one yeah day? we're there for two days two days mm-hmm. um I think it got hit hard during the youth season because some, some areas that uh, we typically kill some birds in, there just wasn't much sign at all, wasn't much bird. We weren't even seeing hens. We even uh, found a couple carcasses too. Yeah, so we that... found we found a handful of carcasses and a lot of a lot of boot boot tracks. This is only a second second season in that particular national forest that we hunted. Um used to hunt a bunch of government government ground and then uh Corps of Engineers, stuff like that, some small WMAs, but the last few years they've they've set back the WMAs for the first two weeks of season for uh in state and draw only. So we started hunting some more national forest and just picked a you know, picked the wrong spot. Focused on probably a square mile stretch. Just knew some birds were in there, focused on two day really a day and a half on that. Didn't have much luck. Um and then I went back to Mississippi one other time, called up a bird for a buddy and it, no I take it back. I called up two birds for two different friends. In Mississippi, never, uh, never got a chance to hunt for myself other than that first day and a half. Um, my second state was Tennessee. We had a big trip planned in Tennessee. Had a great time. Never been to Tennessee before. Um, full of birds, all over birds. Just we again focused on one main area. There was like eight or nine mature toms in there, and I knew I could get them killed. And so okay, real quick, they whooped I, up on me. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt, but so Tennessee, like, are are we talking like Smoky Mountain area, or where are you at in Tennessee? Uh, we were Middle Tennessee. Okay, I mean as central Tennessee as you can get. Okay, um, we were off of a small river basin. There was a WMA there that talking to the biologist had a lot of numbers. Talking to a local guy that I found out that lives in the area. There's a lot of birds there. Um, I was hunting with my dad and and my buddy Chris, and I was focusing on getting them birds. I could have killed a bird, but I right. was. I, I, they rag on me when I shoot birds before they do. So I was focused on, on getting them birds. Actually, I had, I had two different opportunities to to shoot when they couldn't see them. It seems like, that, you know, I picked the right tree. They right. picked the wrong tree in that, that particular situation. Called the bird up, you know, 30, 40 yards. No one else saw him. I was the only one that did. But left Tennessee, got back to Arkansas, and then finally kicked off my, my season, broke the ice, and from there started uh, – so you started with birds. an Arkansas bird. Started with Arkansas bird. First right. time in a very, very long time. I've started yeah, it took Arkansas you a while because you had a, I mean, hell, you had three weeks before you even killed one when the season started, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
So are you hitting public land pretty much every state you go to? Yeah, yeah. I've got – this is the first year um, that I've had permission for some private land that happened to be in Arkansas. I've done some door knocking in the past and, you know, had some luck to get some permission to hunt, you know, temporarily or, or go back. But for the most part, I try to focus on public land. I take a lot of people and I always try to set them up for, you know, a return trip on their own if they want to go. Um, I get a lot of questions and a lot of requests to take people and kind of get them kicked off and started. So right. so you go all these different places. You're good at apparently helping people learn how to turkey hunt. So what what is the first thing you do to pick an area to, to hunt? Like if somebody was new to it what what should they look at first biggest thing and most helpful thing is the internet get on there no get on there look at your harvest reports look at your your counties your counties are going to tell you when you're seeing an average of two and three hundred birds in a county and then there's like five or six counties that blow up to a thousand twelve hundred birds there's a reason for it go within those counties look up your wmas look up special regulations if there's any national forest stuff like that after that there's going to be a director of biologist over each public property contact them they love to talk to people they love to educate people well, simple as that y'all better, smart, y'all better start writing this that's smart, your biologist yeah. and they will tell you yeah i've been seeing birds here the birds like to be up high this time of year they like to be down in the valleys around the swamp and water this time of year you know we had a terrible um fall crop there wasn't much hard mass for them so right now they're really really picking up in the in the valleys and stuff where it's starting to green up around the water they'll give you some details Especially out west, you know, they'll tell you some different historic areas. A lot of people don't realize it. Some people do the turkey hunt a lot, but, you know, your Rios, your Merriams, they have historic roosting sites. They will tell you some of the bigger historic roosting sites. This section here, that section there. Yeah, go down, you know, about a mile and a quarter down the river. There's a big basin there. There's always birds there year in, year out. So that's some starting points. Mm. Um, And then the last couple years I've started to kind of, try to get some more permission on private. So I've harked in on my, my public lands and then um, turned around, you know, a few weeks before season, sent out some letters to some private properties in the area, see if I couldn't get lucky. Of course, I haven't yet, but right. it's a matter of time. <laughs> so once you so once you find these areas, narrow down one, two, maybe even three different properties, you know, if this is a, if this is a guy who's just trying to get into turkey hunting, you know, he has these couple properties, what would you recommend that he does, you know? Say it's a Thursday and he wants to start, you know, prepping for hunting up in a weekend. Scouting definitely helps a lot. I haven't had the opportunity to get there day before season. Most of the time I leave out drive overnight, so it's a little bit scenario there. But if you do have the opportunity to scout, um, two biggest things, where the birds are roosting. Easterns, they bounce around, but they have a main core area that they stay in. Uh, and then next is middle of the day. If you know where a turkey's going, most of the time you can kill them. Right. A lot of people either kill them, you know, because they know where they're going or they know where they've been and they come back to them. Right. They're, they're a very routine bird, a turkey. <laughs> yes and no. It's, it's, <laughs> it's hard to explain. They have their routines, but because of predation, they're constantly adapting. Uh, I think the biggest thing for the Eastern is they have more predators and more hunter pressure so they're constantly adapting in a perfect scenario on some spots you know i've i've noticed easterns roosting in the same stretch of trees but for the most part your your rios and mariums they'll roost on the dang near same limb every night right and 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 that that's a lot easier because you can you know be there the next morning so for someone who's starting out and they're they want to take a trip out of state what's what species of turkey or gene or whatever would you suggest they go after first rios are what state very forgiving um nebraska west north central kansas those are great even though the last few years they've been getting a lot of hunting pressure nebraska is starting to kind of carry over that state oklahoma in the past has been very very good a lot of success a lot of forums it's starting to become really popular they're struggling with some population right now those three states are, are really great i say struggling population they're going to be you're going to hear and see more turkeys out there than you probably will in most states in the southeast um arkansas is definitely not a state to start in. <laughs> most of louisiana is not a state to start in missouri easterns if i had to suggest someone going out of state missouri has a wonderful wonderful program they have high population um they're very spread out on their, their hunter density. Um, there's a lot of small WMAs, which you would think, I don't want a small place. I want to be able to roam. Man, they've got several spots that are like a 1,000 acres, slap full of turkeys. Right. Slap full of turkeys. You pull up to a park, literally pull up to a parking lot, start at the parking lot because you don't want to venture out into the woods and you'll hear birds to go after. 
So is that what you mean by your scouting? Are you really just recommend someone goes out there in the morning or the afternoon just definitely morning. or just here, here, Hearing your birds gobble, I mean, definitely gobbling as kids. What everybody right. hunts for. They want to hear the thunder. They want, right. they want to feel it. They want to hear it. They want to chase it. That's one of the biggest aspects of turkey hunting, the most attractive right. appealing thing. Um, but that's also the most helpful thing, too. It's hard to kill a turkey when he's not gobbling unless you already know you can see him or you already know where he's going. Right, right. Um, so definitely spend time listening. If you got a couple mornings before season or, or just want to, you know, spend the first couple of days of season hunting new property, just putting some ears on some different stretches and then focusing time. That midday, 10 to 2, I kill most of my birds. So you can even take some time, listen in an area, first 30 minutes of light, drive to another area, kind of mark your spots where you think the birds are, come back around 9, 10 o'clock when they start leaving those hens and, and be back on them. Right. So will you tell the audience too, and I only say this because I've seen other people in videos kind of mock at it and whatnot, tell them how important a, a crow call is. A crow or owl hoot or a... I never use a crow call. Um, I I don't know. I've had more success locating birds with with a, a good solid cut, um, a lot of a lot of cluck sequences and stuff like that. Um but it does work a lot, especially out west. Gosh, it works a lot out west. Even though there's not as many crows, they're just a shot gobble is all it is. Right. That's what most people use. Uh, in a low-pressured area, I've heard a lot of birds hammer on crows. Um, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, I don't hear it as much. Right. You hear a lot of gravel popping and crow calling, right. calling right behind it, and those birds get educated quick. Mm-hmm. Really quick, so, um, right? So earlier you said you're a little more of like a run and gunner type of gu- type mm-hmm. of hunter. So what is a typical day of hunt for you? I try to cover a lot of ground. Uh, I'd like to walk 200 yards from the truck, but usually it ends up being a couple miles. Right. Um, I, if the bird's not gobbling, I move on. Um, if it's an area that I know has a ton of birds, I'll spend some time. Be patient. Traditional calling every 15, 20 minutes. Right. Um, you know, if you're not going to be more mobile, you don't have the opportunity to be more mobile. If you're limited to property, but you know birds in the area. Sit down in a good-looking spot, you know, not too open. I think a lot of people make that mistake. They call birds up to a spot where a bird can see 100 yards, and right. that's why they hang up. I, I try to try to go to, you know, 40, 50-yard visual scene, sit down, slow call every 15, 20 minutes, short right. sequence. Right, and you can get So this away. is on a property that you've already kind of scouted, or this is Just going a, in blind? A, a limited property I would sit okay. and call. Yeah, go, okay. kind of going in blind or, or property I've already already, you know, I would, obviously, if I, if I was brand new, I would kind of look for the most recent sign, sit down, and, and slow call there. Because if you're limited to the property, 100 acres or something like that, you can go to the property edge all you want. But if he's across the line, unless you just want to get frisky with it, but I ain't about that life. <laughs> 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 I, I, I had some run-ins when I was younger. and Hey, you, that ain't my name. But <laughs> right. but don't do that no more. So I, I try to respect the animal and, and you know respect the opportunity to... So how do you feel on the, what's it called, reaping? Reaping. Oh, Are you a reaper? It's very successful. I've reaped a handful of birds. That's kind of a last-ditch effort. It can be a lot of fun. It can be a lot of fun, but as I've been fortunate enough to harvest more turkeys, I'm more into to fooling them. You know? Okay. From, from the outside looking in, because I'm not a turkey hunter, I can't pick up another hobby. I don't have time for it. <laughs> That looks like a blast. Oh, it's very fun. It's very fun. Like, I would love to do that, but the more I've listened to you or Josh or kind of listened to the turkey hunting world, it seems like that's a big argument if, over reaping. Let me describe Tell the way. audience what that is, too, in case someone doesn't know what that is. Okay, so reaping is most time visual. You see a bird out there strutting. They've got about a 75, 80-yard buffer zone. You take a fan, hide behind it, crawl best you can. Sometimes you have to notify them that you're entering as a turkey, gobble, yelp at them, whatever. Right. High-pressured areas, they see a blob out of the corner, either gone. So sometimes you have to you know, convince them you're a turkey entering the field. Typically done in fields. I've reaped a few in the woods. I have you know, keep a fan in my backpack just for – most time I flash it just for subtle movement. I typically are not – very likely reap them, sneak up on them. But in a sense, you can hide behind a tail fan and crawl right up to them a lot of times. Right, because even though those birds are finicky, they're pretty dumb, aren't they? They're not. They're Yes, they are. Yeah. A, a turkey is not very smart, but everything in the world tries to eat them. So they're right. super finicky. They're very timid. They, I mean, two things on their mind is breed and not get eaten. Unfortunately, right. not getting eaten is the number one. That's why they'll hang up at fences. They won't, won't fly across creeks. They'll... You know they're gonna set themselves up right in a position where they can't get eaten. Right. 
And mm. a lot of times too, and I, I feel like um, a lot of turkey hunters skip over this and you wouldn't know really, I feel like you wouldn't maybe know this if you're new to turkey hunting, but you know, those toms, they're not usually the ones to go to the collar per se. Usually, no. yeah, usually it's the other way around. Usually that hen's the one going to the tom. So that's why you, that's why it could be so hard, you know, getting them hung up. Yeah, in, in nature, the hen, it's her duty to go to him. So right. that's the whole that's point. Of, yeah, right. right, right. That, that's the whole hard part of, you know, you're, you fool the turkey when when he comes in. You convince him to come in all the way. Yeah. Um, but you know, you were you were asking about reaping. Um, as a waterfowler myself, reaping in a duck hunting standpoint would be equivalent to sneaking up a pond levee and shooting sitting ducks. I love that. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. But what would you rather do? Would you rather sit in the timber? Work. He'd duck, rather kill work, ducks. It depends on what kind of duck it is. Work twenty mallards and then flutter down your face. Or or you can, you know, go back to the truck, drive down the road, and sneak up and shoot mountains sitting on a pond. I don't know. Sneaking up on them and jump shooting them? That's how I grew up hunting. That <laughs> That's was, how I grew up hunting, too. And it's like just that what I see as a duck hunter is that, oh, crap, moment the ducks have. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we are screwed. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I get, I get mad at them and I kill them. Usually if I'm reaping, I'm pissed off at the yeah. Yeah. individual bird. He no, don't, I, I, don't, I don't mind the sneaking up I've on them. I've pulled them, everything out of, the, out of the book and it's, okay, I can probably kill him this way. Let's try this. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I like it. I like it. But I do sneak turkeys. Um, when I go out of state, I try to fill my tags before I leave. So when it comes down to it, I don't pass up an opportunity to slip up, get in tight and... I don't blame you there because you've put in a lot of work when you go out of state. You've put in a lot of money, a lot of time. I, I would want to come out with some sort of reward personally. Oh, I'll, I'll attest to this. Seth is a scouter. Like, dude just scouts. I mean, I, I, it'll be a Wednesday at 1 p.m., and I'll get a text from Caleb. Oh, Seth was out scouting, you know, an hour ago. I'm like, bro, everybody's at work, and Seth's out scouting. Right. Okay, okay. You're you're a professional scouter now. He just said it. <laughs> yeah. So no, nope, nope, get nope, no. Uh, nope. Give us one good scouting tip for duck hunting. For duck hunting, time, time, <laughs> or not? <laughs> Go where no one has looked yet. Oh, man, I've been here. I've, I've checked the cache, lower cache, upper caches, and that. Your potholes, man. Most of the time when you're scouting, it's because there's not much water. It's stale birds. Go where people aren't driving by. Go where people aren't shooting. People don't realize distance shooting is pressure. Right. Right. Birds don't want to sit there and flinch every five seconds because somebody's right. hammering on them. They're going right. to they're gonna sit still. No, you want birds that are they're hopping around stuff. Uh, topo maps, too. I look at mm. topo maps. Mm. Low spots you can't see from the road. That's mm-hmm. a lot of times. Giving out, he's giving away secrets. <laughs> Like, hey, even if, even in scouting is overlooked too. Birds sit and rest all day long, and they go back to roost. And you see yeah. groves of mallards getting up. Well, just like birds, people are lazy. So, oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't want to. They're going to sit on their couch with their phone and Onyx to scout. So, Seth is the one out there humping a, a pack in, you know, three miles to see if there's birds there. <laughs> no, not anymore. Not anymore. Mm. <laughs> not anymore. I know he walked in on one spot and had a hellacious time <laughs> so <laughs> uh well hey back on the turkey what's one of the uh what's the coolest place you think the turkey hunt out of state out of state i really enjoyed the dakotas i've been i've been out west of western part of the state the last two years we went in the plains and hunted the plains bird and it's rolling hills absolutely nothing and then all of a sudden you'll crest over top of a grassy hill and Boom! Big, huge oak canyon. Just really, like everything instead of here, everything is on top of ridges. There, everything sinks down. Right, and so you'll get a you'll get a river basin that runs for miles, and you can't see it from anywhere. Can't even don't even recognize it on maps. It'll look like just a squiggle on the maps until you actually walk over the top and see. Right, the, right. The oak canyons. Oak canyons are beautiful. It's really, really? pretty because you're up high, high elevation, and you can see everything. It's not you know big cedar ridges and stuff like it is in the western part of the state. Right, it's a little bit different. Mm. So, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was gonna say, do you have any bucket list hunts for like turkeys? Do you have somewhere that you're planning to go? Want to really want to go really bad? Well, I decided uh, year before last I was gonna go ahead and check off all 49 states. So that's my biggest, I guess, turkey hunting accomplishment. Accomplished uh, goal to to do bucket list per se is to do that. Other than that, I would really like to. Uh, I think I'd like to go to Hawaii. I think that'd be pretty cool. Kill, kill they a got turkeys in Hawaii. Yes, they do. No, bro. Kill, kill a bird on top of. So, where's the one place they don't have them? Alaska. Alaska. They do have them. They just don't have a hunting Oh, okay. Well, they need to get with the program. I'm I mean, Hawaii's I'm got turkeys. They do. 
Is it what is it? I is that the whole this. Lanai Island deal? Where they have all those wild deer or all those deer and stuff like that. Is it's that the big island about? that everybody hunts. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. How many states have you got? 13, 14. You got a little ways to go. Yeah. I, <laughs> man, I, I've been a numbers guy the past few years. I mean, when I turned, I think when I turned, I've been traveling out of state hunting. My, my dad called up my first bird when I was seven. And then once he realized I could kill a turkey, I was his excuse to put in for <laughs> youth permits and start right. early. And so we started traveling. My eighth, I was eight. We went to Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Arkansas, Mississippi. And then I think I was 10 or 11, went to Alabama. I'm but, proud of you for not getting burned out. That's yeah. a lot on an eight-year-old. Yeah, it is. Started going and going and going. And I was just all about it. I, my dad was a really good turkey hunter and drug me along and, he used to outwalk me. Now I outwalk him. I right. take him everywhere. So it's, <laughs> I guess that the tables have turned. Now he's he's waiting. All right, where are we going in the spring? Just tell me when. What dates we got lined up? So is there a bird that has meant the most? Like one that stands out in your mind when you look back on hunts? Yes. Um, my dad's always dreamed of getting the grand slam, and three years ago I was able to help him accomplish that. And we've had some awesome high five hunts. We've had some sentimental hunts. But he killed that bird, and he looked at me and started tearing up and said, thank you, son. What uh, bird was it? It was an Osceola. Uh, you know, the whole Osceola thing, you pretty much got to pay to hunt them or you got to get lucky on some public land. And the, the the success rate down there is like in the single digits of percentage-wise. Wow. It's, you know, a, lot of, a lot of birds get killed every year on public land, but the amount of hunters, and it's really hard, hard hunting. I made some connections, took some boys duck hunting. We traded some stuff out, got – hooked up with a gentleman that claimed he had turkeys. We drove 14 hours on a limb and got out there. And fortunately, thank the Lord, there was turkeys on this property. Right. Uh, solid 10 acres to hunt. Uh, big, big, big trip. Ten acres. <laughs> 14 hours, 10 acres. But once you stepped on the property, you realize, you know, why there was turkeys there. It was, yeah. it was kind of a bottleneck mm. situation. Anyway, and that was down in Florida, right? It was down in Florida. Yeah. We killed two birds off that property, met a guy at a gas station, and he backed up to a big, WMA and he let us walk through his backyard and we went and killed two more birds the next day and turned around and came home never happened it'll never happen again but it was a great but that first Osceola you know my dad completed his his uh grand slam he looked at me and hugged me and kind of teared up that's awesome smile from ear to ear he's like been hunting turkeys 40 years I never thought this day would come so that was was exciting yeah Yeah. that's awesome well hey I got I do have one more turkey question from you it says obviously everyone knows here and turkey hunting is really popular, but you don't hear that much. I feel like about it as far as like public tur- land turkey hunting goes, not as definitely not as much as you hear about duck hunting. So is there any big controversy in the whole public land duck hunting or public land turkey hunting? It's definitely ordeal? starting to, to become, I wouldn't say controversy or an issue, by all means we want more people to hunt um, conservation wise, this and that. But the last few years, um, a lot more people have realized the potential success in turkey hunting that it, even though it is hard, you know, there's a lot of opportunity traveling and hunting and stuff like that. So I think um, the out-of-state hunters has definitely increased. I would say the most controversial thing I would have to say, even though I love National Wild Turkey Federation, love everything they do, they have hurt some properties and hurt some states with the publications. Um, I'm all for them educating people on states and opportunity, but in, in the past they've actually called out some individual WMAs mm. in rec areas and I'm talking areas that I grew up hunting, noticing, you know, 20, 30 trucks opening day to literally the next year after the publication, 150, 200 trucks. Dang. Talking, wow. talking to the wildlife officers and them saying, yeah, if it stays like this in the next few years, we're going to have to limit the amount of people that enter the property. Right. Wow. And, and they've done that now. And the, the turkey population, I wouldn't say hunters ever you know, impact the turkey hunting population, but I've witnessed firsthand on particular areas they can really – Hurts right, the population. Right. Wow, mm. and you know I don't I don't mean to call them out, but you go make a magazine top ten places in the United States, and they're not listing areas or states; they're listing individual really? WMAs. Yeah, right. kind of. I mean, it's just like you know, Biomita. They everybody talks yep. about Biomita, so everybody hunts Biomita. Right. right. They're not saying South Arkansas. They're not saying Cash River National Wildlife Refuge that covers miles. They're talking about a blocked uh, off section. Yeah. <laughs> A centralized location. A centralized yeah. location, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
ranking it up there, you know, right. amongst the top in the U.S. So everybody right. travels to it and hits it. But I understand that. But. Well, once you, I mean, once you take the work out of trying to find birds, I mean, of course everybody's going to find the easiest way to, oh, well, you know, let's hit one of the top ten. Try those out first. Most definitely. Well, does anyone else have any more questions? Oh, so, I mean, I, what do you got, Tyler? Oh, I was going to go back to duck hunting. I was going to ask him what stage of 100 do you think you're in? I think it's a method. I think it's a method. A method. Are you a method hunter? Describe the different stages for me. Oh, hold on just a second. Somebody doesn't listen to the podcast. (laughs) 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 All right. So let's see. We got the shooting stage, which is you just want to shoot. You got the limit stage, numbers matter, trophy stage, being selective, looking for that one bird or bands or whatever. Uh, The method stage, uh, how you hunt and take game become more important than how much game you take. And then the sportsman stage is you're more interested in the whole experience than bagging game. Mm, I would not categorize myself in one individual stage. Uh, I definitely, I don't have a trophy stage. I don't seek out one particular species. I've, I've harvested just about every species that Arkansas has to provide. I've, I've killed a lot just through opportunity. Um, Man, at times it becomes a competition. I hate that it, to say that, but it does. So numbers matter. Wait, a, com- a competition with like you and the guys you're hunting with, or just anybody out there? Both. Both. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's why Trey didn't get that I, pinto. I, I yeah. like, no, I, 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 like I like to. Seth. I like Seth. I like to experience it, but you know, everybody knows there's gossip. You can't deny it. There's gossip amongst people who hunt with different people and this right. and that, and people right. call you out. Well. Yeah, I haven't been showing. I've been killing six limits for the last 15 days straight. But if you want to see it, here you go. I'll shut right. you up kind of yeah. deal. You know, I really don't like to post a whole, whole bunch. I think all of us kind of try to wait a while because mm-hmm. anymore social media gets gets the best people and they start scouting yep. through social media and start, oh, I know so-and-so's truck. They were at such and such ramp. Yeah, that so, happened a couple times this past season. <laughs> that's that's what I mean by competition, you know. It's it's not a competition, but some other people try to make it. Right. And so sometimes you have to kind of put your foot down, I mm-hmm. guess. But so I mean, I, I Barrett, like why experience. do you think he's a method hunter? Well, I, I earlier when he was talking about how he turkey hunts, I mean it, it he described how I mean he was he was all about his processes and his his methods to get to that bird and to finish that bird and honestly i mean every time i've seen him in the woods the way we duck hunt seth is about how he's going to set up his decoys he's how he's setting up jerk cords i mean how he's calling seth is in my opinion from firsthand you know seeing him hunt i'm gonna say he's a method hunter he he may not be a hundred percent a method hunter but he's he's got some method in him all right i think method hunters have a lot of tricks you got any good tricks, duck hunting tricks you you want to l- release for us? Tricks. Never yeah. stop pulling on the jerk string. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you went to the jerk string. Do you let that line lay on the top of the water? Nope. Well, how do you keep it underwater or above the water? Usually I try to find a root or some sort of branch or something that I can keep it low. Otherwise, I hook it low and I'll step on it once the birds are starting to finish. That's a good trick. That's mm-hmm. a good trick. Typically, mm-hmm. I, I don't keep it tied to a tree up high. I keep it tied tied to my belt loop or on a quick quick clip yeah. that way i can step on it it's mojo like, pole works real good too yeah mm-hmm. hooking the mojo pole mm-hmm. looking around um yeah that works a lot I, I use a really big heavy weight typically try to i don't like jerk strings in shallow water yeah at least the deeper down. i like i can't stand that line that one when, with out. that line moving i can't we pulled one out uh i'm not gonna say where it was at but we pulled one out as a full boat anchor that said <laughs> thrown out there <laughs> Did it move? Did, it, did, it, did it, at any point did someone have to walk out there and go, oh, the jerk strings come no, undone? That, that jerk string was in there. In fact, I think it's a permanent feature of that WMA. I just pull up and hook up to yeah. that anchor. I know exactly where it's at. Oh, you got to hook man. the boat up to it, too. So, so my and my favorite question to ask everybody is, so this does not have to be a hunting story, but if you had to tell somebody a story, what is your favorite story to tell? Hmm. Man, that one time you shot Trey's pintail. That one yeah. time I shot Trey's pintail. I don't have you. That, you got to ask me that before I come on here. You can't put me on the spot. I can't think of something off the top of my head. No, no. I mean, it's, it's so. Do you, do you have a go to story? Like when when you're hanging out with your buddies, and that's it. I mean, every I, there. I can look at pretty much every guy in here. I know what story they're going to tell. But I mean, I want your go to story. It doesn't have to be about hunting or anything. Is there anything that you've experienced? Something that just stands apart from everything else? Mm. 
putting me on the spot. Oh man, I'm not that's what it's spot. about. Yeah. Is this so? Is this a funny story? Or it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be funny at all. What's your favorite story to tell? Favorite story to tell. Man, I've got I've, I've got two that I that. tell I tell over and I tell, over. I tell, again. I tell a bunch of stories, but I don't I don't ever tell one story. I feel like over and over. Oh, and over. really? Then let's hear an embarrassing one about Caleb growing up. Caleb growing up. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to put him. Oh, I don't care. Hey, tell. Uh, I, I remember one that you got me that was real funny because I was because I was uh, a little tired. Oh no no I got you I've got a story it is <laughs> there it is there, <laughs> there it is. Was. thank you thank you Caleb so by all means Caleb is an experienced hunter now <laughs> but no he, he can admit when we first started hunting we were all kind of I had been hunting for several years but I was definitely not ex- I mean I was experienced to experience but I'm right. still learning stuff every time I go out. of course mm-hmm. still do today but there was a lot of stuff to be learned still um, I. Out of waterfowl hunting, we all duck hunted. We all knew a lot about duck hunting. Not many of us knew about goose hunting. Mm-hmm. I kind of got into it just because my dad was part of a huge lease, traveled to Canada, always had access to a bunch of decoys. And so I naturally goose hunted when I could. Early early Canada, snow goose hunted, speck hunted a little bit, this and that. And Caleb had a had had an area out there that had some ducks and, and some geese and stuff, and the snow geese were hitting it hard. And so we decided we were going to go snow goose hunting like you know any teenager would. Right. Decided we wanted to work out for the day, not hunt, but work out for the day. So we drug everything out there, typical snow goose hunt, you know, didn't kill much. We killed a little bit that day. It was pretty fun, but we got all the way out there. And I don't think at the time Caleb had been goose hunting much. And so we decided to pull a joke on him and uh, we get all the way out there and start setting up. And something was definitely flaring the birds, but birds started coming in and would almost finish and they'd flare, almost finish and flare. Start looking around, looking around. Of course, we're all joking this and that. And I hit my buddy. I said, just go. And it's just three of us. And Caleb's over. I was like, Caleb, I was like, man, did you sprayed down, didn't you? I've looked at everything. Nothing's flaring these birds. But you sprayed down, didn't you? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, you sprayed down with scent killer, didn't you? And he's like, no, I didn't. I didn't know I was supposed to. I was like, dude, I was like, dude, these these aren't ducks. These are geese. How do, how do you? Why do you think there's millions of them? They know they know what field. They know what field to land in. We were like oh 15, God. man. No, the thing back then, though, and if and anyone who knows Seth when he was younger will definitely agree with me. Yeah. Well, All no, fun. it wasn't even that. I was like, oh, God, here goes Seth again trying to tell us what to do. Let me just follow along. <laughs> I was 100% serious. <laughs> I tried to tell everybody what to do. And so it was. I made it very easy to believe. He was, he was not having it, but after like 10 minutes of trying to convince him, I don't know if he was convinced or if he was just, you know, given in right. so I'd shut up but it was a joke at the time oh it was funny I do I actually do that's exactly what I was talking about too because I remember think I remember sitting there thinking yeah I do got a yellow bottle of scent killer in that in my dad's truck so <laughs> what I'm like man they're, they're not flaring off us we're hit good the decoys are perfect they're get, they're getting downwind from us and they're flaring what is it and did you go you spray saw? down did you spray down <laughs> no you? we didn't let him go spray no, down oh spray down. gosh <laughs> So we were like 14 or 15. I'm pretty sure our parents dropped us off. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so I've got a question. If if you wanna if you wanna divulge, what's the deal with the spec call and pintails? Man, I don't know what it is. Uh working a bunch of specs, spec hunting. I've always had pintails just come out of nowhere and just land in the decoys. It's that confidence. And I don't know if it's the confidence or they're just looking for that high pitch. I mean, really? When I'm, yeah. blow, when I'm blowing a spec call at pintails, I'm not trying to sound like a spec. I'm right. just trying to sound as close as I can to a pintail. But I, if I don't have a whistle, I'll blow that, and I've learned that it, it can work. It doesn't work every time, but it's definitely worked a I lot mean, of times. The day we hunted with you and you it were worked. doing it, I was like, man, I've never heard that before, but it these birds are looking it at it. Well, when yeah. I was younger, it didn't make sense to me when I'd be hunting with a bunch of older guys and gadwalls would start just circling, 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 circling. They're all blowing, sound like mallards and stuff. I'm like, I'm over here going, meh, 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 and they're like, shut up. I'm like, <laughs> and then <laughs> here comes another group, meh, 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 shut up. And here comes another, hey, how about y'all shut up and just let me try this. I mean, you can fool them sometimes. I grew up hunting bayous behind warehouses, this and that, with my dad in Little Rock. He'd he'd go to work, and I'd walk behind the warehouse out in the in the swamps and stuff, and I would just shoot the mess out of gadwalls. So I learned how to fool some gadwalls if they didn't want to act right. But just trying different things. I don't know. I I've killed a lot of ducks with a Drake whistle. Nobody ever works Drake whistle. I've killed a lot of ducks with a Drake whistle. Yeah, I'll never, for, I'll never forget. So that's one of those ones that stole my Drake whistle, and I got it a year later, chewed and gnawed all to hell. Oh. <laughs> is what it is. Right. <laughs> right. I had to claim it. I had to mark my territory. Right. 
<laughs> chewed the end off of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. All right, well, the other thing we didn't talk about is Seth is, uh, are, you, are you owner of fried pies? I am. Yeah. I am. So he delivered some hot pies to us tonight. Fried pies, um, get your fried pies. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing is, boy, you hunt with you hunt with Seth and you get fried pies. So that's that's why we hunt with him. I mean, I hunted with him on my birthday and I didn't get a fried pie. I was kind of wow. upset about that. I didn't know that. it was your birthday. We didn't tell he I'll let had you know a, next year. He would have had one go. with a candle on it for you. <laughs> Uh, but guys we appreciate y'all um y'all uh we're gonna post some stuff about seth so y'all can see that picture of that deer and then y'all go y'all go follow him we'll uh we'll tag him in our our social medias and uh we appreciate y'all uh give us a listen follow us along and we'll uh talk to y'all later see ya don't forget to subscribe to our show on apple podcasts spotify podbean or wherever you find your podcasts thanks for listening